Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Mike Velarde Show here on the Total Media Network. I'm excited to work with the program, Mike Velarde. Mike, how are you? Uh, yes, let's go right to the debate last night, the experience of that debate. We're getting closer and closer. Tomorrow is August 1st. Can you believe it? No, it's, it's hard to believe. I mean, truly, it really is. I mean, we're, we're only three weeks away um, from the primary, and Monday starts early voting. So the paper ballots already went out, and then Monday's early voting. So, so uh, you know, I got I'm doing whatever I can. We put out a hundred signs last week. I got another hundred signs coming on Tuesday. It'll go out. Um, we're looking to do some radio commercials. Um, we we sh I should have some more money coming in this week, and that money's going to go to radio. I'm going to do radio spots on Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, and Mark Levin's uh, radio shows. Um, and, you know, we'll be making a lot of phone calls. Uh, we got a, uh, a group of people that are going to be calling and I'm going to be putting out a lot more video. So it's going to be a hectic couple of weeks. It will. And, but again, you're ready to go for it. You know that you're the best, uh, candidate for, uh, the job you are ready and but again, it's all about promotion. It's all about people getting to know who you are versus the people, especially Laura Loomer. That Laura did not show up to the debate again yesterday, right? And you're disappointed. No, no, no she did not. Uh, that's her MO, does not show. And I don't know how she thinks she could win if she's never debating or, you know, she's never, she's never contending for anything. I mean, it's a joke to me. I mean, yeah. I've been at every one. Uh, you know, I make myself available 100% of the time. Now, last night was was a great opportunity. Um, they gave us two questions. I mean, one was on gun control, and and I, you know, I think I hit it out of the park with that one. I brought up the fact that hey, you're causing these problems with these with these, you know, gun-free zones. I said I'm I'm a federal law enforcement officer. I'm HR 218 qualified. And for those of you who don't know what HR 218 is. It's the bill that President George Bush passed after 9/11 to put more federal law enforcement for for uh, law enforcement federal law enforcement officers on the street. So when you retire, you go you go to a class, you qualify, you have to shoot your weapon, make sure you can still shoot, and then you learn, you know, uh, the you know the, the, any changes to the law, and you go through different scenarios, you know, like they, they show you videos of shootings that have happened, you know, most recently, what to do, what not to do, and as an HR 218 qualified federal agent, I become a felon if I go into the school and try to protect the kids that are getting shot if there's a school shooter in there. I said, how stupid is that? That's a law that needs to change. You're creating a situation where you're inviting people, basically, to telling everybody that, hey, there's nobody armed here. Even, even the people that protected President Bush and President Obama, they can't come with guns. So why don't you just come and take out our kids? Ridiculous. It's it's absolutely crazy. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. So, um, so I hit on that, and then and then they asked what what the other question they asked us was, what would be the first piece of legislation you would pass? And of course, for me, that's to make Social Security tax free because it's currently double taxed. I said, and it's so unfair to our senior citizens. They work their whole lives. They don't get a tax benefit when they take the Social Security tax from them, 
and then there they are in retirement, and what happens, the government's coming in and taxing 85% of their benefits. Wow. Yeah. I mean, th this is going to be scary uh, if the economy continues to drop, which I hope it's not, and it's, we're going to have to really see things for the virus and everything, uh, what's going to happen. I mean, this was a, I, I think this was a weaponized virus by China. Um, it's too coincidental to me that this happened within a couple of days after President Trump was not found guilty of his impeachment hearing, which was a crock of shit, more in the language. Yeah. So now, now, now the papers, I mean, you start reading, I just got today's paper, 470 delegates pledged to vote against any Democrat platform without Medicare for all. So we're really going right to communism, right to socialism. Universal health care is, is the, the excuse they use to, to take, you know, to make everybody poor. They do it in Russia, communism, all communist country, that's what they do. They give you health care and then you sign over your soul for it. And right now there's 470 delegates that have signed this petition. So Biden's going to be backed into a corner. And then you got people like AOC who's signed an amendment that would shut down the new pipeline construction. Basically going to cripple America for the first time in 75 years under Donald Trump, we become energy independent and they're going to set us back. So this election is very important. This, the coming up, what recommendations do you have? Okay. Let's go to some topics real quick before recommendations. What about, yeah coronavirus and this, these frontline doctors. What is your response to that, Mike, on Capitol Hill? That's becoming a big, big thing with hydroxychloroquine. What are your thoughts to this, and what have you heard from your side of the story about these doctors? Should we trust them? Should we really look at alternatives to what the mainstream media is saying, how we treat coronavirus? Well, well it seems there, I mean, it, it seems like with the hot, uh, 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 there is some evidence to show that if it's used early, it works. So there's little downside. I mean, it could be some 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 um, some complications with it, but but rare. And it seems like it's something that seems to be working. I mean, I'm not a doctor, right? So so it's 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 outside of my my realm of expertise. But from what I understand, um, it has worked in numerous cases, and there is evidence of it. It just seems like they want to they want to take this thing right to the election, because right now Biden is leading in the polls, and you know if listen if Trump wins again, what's going to happen is Biden, Obama, and a whole bunch of Democrats are going to end up in jail. I mean, that dorm investigation, they already got 15 criminal referrals. And when you start take going to the, the, to, the, to the top people, Comey, McCabe, Strzok, all these people in the FBI, what do you think they're going to say? They're going to say, hey, I was told to by the president. Right. There is no way. That is exactly why President Obama gave such 
um, a divisive speech at the funeral of John Lewis. Yep. They are absolutely desperate to win this election. So they don't want to see a good economy. They want they want to perpetuate this virus thing no matter what. You still have violence, you have violence and anarchy reigning in Portland still. Okay. Right. Um these 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 democratic mayors and governors have no vested interest in stopping this because they want to, they want to try and pin it on Trump and they want to see if they can get Biden elected. Exactly. Very, very, very partisan, um, very partisan election. That's why one of the things I did was I crafted this yesterday and I used it as my my closing um, at the debate yesterday. I said this. This election is about one thing. That's America's greatness and America's future. There are those throughout America making a lot of noise seeking to disrupt and destroy America and everything we have worked for. One of the ways that they are most effective is by dividing us and distracting us. By having us focus on other matters like LGBTQ and questioning what really will shape America. Our future and America's greatness will shine if we can only focus on LGBE. That's labor, government, business, and education. If we focus on these issues and put partisan politics aside, America will shine brightly. I'm here today to seek the congressional nomination to bring unity to the parties, to keep the House focused on America's greatness and get something productive done. We must stop the distractions and the division. Can I count on you to be part of what we are doing? Yes. And, and, you know, my issues, Neil, do just that. I mean, tax-free Social Security helps every elderly person. doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or Republican. Right. Okay? Helps, helps everybody. Um, tax-exempt unemployment is going to help those people that are getting those $600 checks, spending the money to pay their bills, not realizing that they're going to owe the IRS a big chunk of money at the end of the year. My, my health care plan is affordable, but it doesn't bankrupt everybody else to pay for it. Right. By giving tax incentives to the rich, we're giving you an incentive, 100% tax deduction, a 2% tax credit. So will you pay a little less in taxes instead of, instead of trying to rob from everybody and make everybody poor? Exactly. So all that's up in the, not up in the air, but all that's ready to roll. And uh, yeah. just, we, we, it's, it's got to be delivered and, and go. And I just think the divisiveness, your change of uniting is better than dividing. Yes. And, and I, I, I win this primary, I'll win the general. Because when I win the primary, I will get backing. You know, I will get backing from, from the Republican Party, from other groups. And I have a message that will resonate with the Democrats. Okay. Good. Um, you definitely do. All right. So what other things are going on, Mike? What do people need to do right now? Well, listen, they can support us at Velarde2020.com. 
I mean, either with your contribution or with your time. We got three weeks left. That's what we need. Um, any any money that comes in is now being spent on advertising, 100% of it. Um, so as I take in money, it goes right out the door to either buying signs, radio ads, or print ads. Those three things to get to get our name out there. But we have the strongest platform. I would have the best chance to beat Frankel. I proved it last night when I debated. Um, and it's just a question of people knowing about me. I mean, you know, like I said, I don't, I don't believe in running this race by hiding from anybody. I go to every debate. I'm out there. I take on the challenges. I take on the hard questions. I have great solutions to, to today's issues and people need to know about me and they need to know about it because that's what you want in a congressman. Somebody is actually going to go get it done. You don't want somebody that's never going to show up in any debate because they think they won the race through social media. That's crazy how she's running and she's running for more influence. And so, the yeah, I mean, she's, so she's she running for herself, not running for the people. President Trump, right? So she can hang out yeah, with President yeah. Trump. Yeah. No, President Trump. No, she's a wackadoo. So he's not going to. He's not going to go by and then he, he's not going to touch it. Well, then you need to make sure that he can endorse you before it's time, too late. Well, unfortunately, they won't pick up. They won't pick anybody in the primary. So, the, you know, you know, my I spoke to the Trump people, and their take is unless you have a personal relationship with the president, and he knows you're going in, he won't endorse anybody. So Trump that normally you know, or not. Yeah, I guess it's normal, but I mean, it is his district, so that's what makes it a little unusual. I had thought that, you know, and I know how busy he is, that he would have maybe picked up the phone and spoke to everybody for five minutes or 10 minutes or said, hey, next Tuesday, Mar-a-Lago, we got 10-minute interviews for the six of you. You know, Mike, you go from, uh, you know, from 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 3.30 to 3.40, and, you know, Liz goes from 3.40 to 3.50, and just 10 minutes with the president, you know, so he can get to know each of you a little bit, but that didn't happen. So they're going to, they're going to, I think they're going to wait out and see who, uh, who wins the primary. So it's important that I win the primary. And the only way for me to win the primary is really get people, you know, I have to get my name out there, obviously, and people have to know my platform. And that's why when you go to the website and you read the website, you see what I've done. Uh, you see the success I've had, and then what I will do for the constituents. I mean, look, I've I've been fighting the IRS for the last eight years with a lot of success. I mean, I I reversed over a million a million dollars in wrong wrongly assessed taxes for two doctors. Um, you know, wiped out everything, wiped out everything because because they really never should have been assessed. But that was a long and complicated case. The point is, I fight for people. I fight against the IRS in my current position. When I was when I was with them, I was fighting against the criminals, against the, you know, the Russian organized crime guys, the terrorists, the drug dealers. Um, so that's my makeup. That's what I do. I'm good at it. So, and I got great, like I said, I got a great platform. Um, my social security platform, making it tax-free, that's, that's one of two things that I plan to do with social security. The other thing is the spousal benefit. The spousal benefit becomes really important because you never know when your spouse is going to die. Right. So 
<laughs> if somebody dies suddenly, you come back from that wake and funeral, you find out that now you, you that 2000 a month you were getting, you're never going to see again without any warning. So my proposal is, and of course, you know, when you opt for this, it's going to cost you 25 bucks a month or $30 a month. It'll be some minimal fee, but, but you'll get the spousal benefit. And if, you know, the way social security is, you're basically, whatever you pay into it, they're going to take that number and just roughly divide it by 10. And that's what you're going to get. So if you paid in 200,000, you're going to get 20,000 a year in a benefit, a social security benefit. So if you're getting 2,000 a month for argument's sake, okay, um, and you are 65 years old and you live to be 70, right? You only got half the benefit you should have from right. what you put in, okay? So my proposal is, hey, if you die within any time within the first 10 years, in other words, where it's your money that's be coming back to you, the taxes they took from you just simply coming back to you, then your widow should get a benefit of 24 months, where she'll get to keep that benefit for the, the next two years going forward. If you die after that, then it'll be a one-year benefit because now the taxpayer is picking up the tab, okay? But even that being said, the premiums that you paid in are going to cover like the first six months, right? So the taxpayer is only really only picking up the tab for the last six months. But that's the least we can do for our senior citizens so that who, the widow doesn't have to worry about becoming, becoming destitute overnight if her husband dies suddenly. All right. Velarde2020.com. Also, you can purchase your book where? Oh, Mike Velarde books on Amazon, The Time of His Coming. My book on Bible prophecy, you could watch it happen because that's what's happening now. A lot of stuff I wrote about is, you know, is happening. Um, so, yeah, that's and that's been get, that book has gotten great reviews on Goodreads. It's called The Time of His Coming, the final chapter. Um, a lot of people have read it, really, really enjoyed it. And um, I just did a radio show on that last week. And uh, yeah, I encourage you to pick up that book through Amazon or Mike Velarde Books, M-I-K-E-V-I-L-A-R-D-I.com. Um, either one, either one, but it's a great book. All right, Mike, appreciate you calling, man. Thanks for coming on the show. I mean, thanks for coming on. Your, yeah. uh, thanks for doing your show this week. And we look forward to the new news next week, okay? All right, great, thanks. All right, that's Mike Velarde show, everyone. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this special simulcast edition of the Neil Haley Show and Your Beautiful Day here on the Gratitude Radio Network and Total Media Network. And I'm excited to welcome the program, the host for this show, Your Beautiful Day, Jen Mogg. Jen, uh, I am excited for another guest, another perfect one to really talk about gratitude and talk about mm -hmm. uh, diversity and talk about very interesting topics today. Jen, how are you? Thank you. Thank you for inviting me on the show. I love doing this together. Um, and you know, Jen, mother of gratitude, where every female is a mother of gratitude. Um, on today's show, I, this is on my bucket list. I mean, this is, this is so cool how, Neil, it's like, hey, Jen, I got another surprise for you. Guess who? Um, she's not just an actress. You can't, you can't say she's just an actress, no. 
This lady has done over a hundred TV and major motion films. She's up for Emmy um, on a lot of different things. Uh, um, let me edit that part. Yeah. Um, on Boomtown, Uptown, ABC Stumptown. Stumptown. I was stumped. I was stumped on Stumptown. Thank you. On Stumptown, on ABC, she's an advocate. Um, she's just an amazing powerhouse of a woman. So without further ado, welcome to Your Beautiful Life, Tantu Cardinal. Thank you. Absolutely. So how are you holding up with the pandemic, especially the last couple of months as being a performer? This is challenging, isn't it? To be not near people all the time and dealing with things. Honestly, I'm just loving it. Really? Hey, you no, know, this is a time in my life where I can just be still. I, there's not this thing of uh, calls coming in or an email or we have to go somewhere. Like today, I would have had to go to a studio or something, right? Right. Uh, or maybe not even able to do it. Who knows? Um, so I'm really appreciating and another thing that i noticed is that my world as an actor when you're lucky you're you're working on other characters all the time you're working on other scripts and you're bringing from the outside into yourself um but there's none of that going on i had no characters to work on i had no scripts i had no <laughs> nothing and it was amazing to kind of get back to my own rhythms and the character study being my own self. And mm -hmm. uh, stories, I'm creating my one-woman show and uh, a pet project that I've had in my mind since the 70s. So the time to do things that I want to do. It's been great. I love it. Absolutely. That is so cool. So Jen, first question for Tantu. Actually, you know what? We need to introduce Pearl. We haven't oh, introduced yeah, Pearl. Pearl yet. Oh, Pearl. You can we edit a Pearl little bit. Edit. Oh, it's all I'm good. I'm living this whole thing. No, this is, this is perfect. Yeah. Hi, Tantu. My name is Pearl Shrenza. For those listening, I am the owner of Women's Successful Living, where we empower women to find themselves in their story on their path to finding their inner pearl, the greatness. And I'm honored to be on with you too, Tantu, because so, there's so much in your story that I'm excited to share with, especially like your grand, your, your, I called my granny was my granny, but your grandmother and some of the things you did with her and some of the, some of the acting that you've done, it's been, it was really touched my heart from growing up and some of the things that I've got some connections to. So I can't wait to share and hear today. So Jen, thanks for introducing me, but you take off with the first question. Yes. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Tantu, what has been one of your, uh, I would say, gratitude moments during the lockdown where you've just had a moment to reflect inside? Oh, so many. Um, gratitude, food, shelter, clothing. Mm -hmm. uh, my daughter turned me on to food that brings to your door and everything <laughs> that you need to cook is right there in the box. And uh, so that kind of keeps you out of the necessary traffic. You don't need to go out there. Um, it's, I'm, I'm just so grateful to so much 
the the place that I'm staying, it's it's on the ground floor. It's it's safe. Um, it's a safe neighborhood. Uh, I've got this time to to read and write and think, and also the time to work on. See, when when you're working in this life that's moving so fast, and I'm not complaining at all. It's great good fortune for an actor to be, you know, going, oh my gosh, time zones, time zones. And, and your body going through all those shifts and changes and, and um, you, you can kind of lose touch with the rhythms and, and the, the signals that are going on inside your body. So I had the chance to actually get into some meditation, actually being able to do yoga for more than, what would happen in, in the, the life before is I might start it, I have two weeks, and then all of a sudden I'm whipped off to somewhere else. And, and that's, that's not happening. So I've had the opportunity to kind of work in some yoga and work in some running and, uh, and to see people in the park trying to uh, manifest their gym, having ropes tied to trees and, and manifesting some kind of movement going on. And, and uh, it was just <laughs> really beautiful to see people from all walks of life going to that park and, and seeing them settle in and, and get rooted with the ground and, and trees yeah. and, and in their worlds. There's so much to consider and think about that uh, I, I, it's just been really enjoyable. And of course I've been um, you know, solo, I'm, I'm the only one in my family that's been by myself through this whole thing. Yes. And, and, oh that, my gosh. That, yeah, and that also, I took that as a ceremony, as an opportunity nice. to go deep with the things that are going on inside. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and as an actor, I think it's really important to, to kind of be in touch with those things that are on inside. I think that's so amazing. Um, I, I do what I like to call staycations where I'll sneak away from my family. I've got two boys and a husband and I'll do that. And so I actually said to him, I go, I would love a part of this. Like I could be by myself for a little bit through, you know, through this whole, not, not that I want to be myself through the pandemic, but, um, but I have a, my question is, so listening to you talking about how you, you might start something and then all of a sudden you get pulled over here to do this show or go here and that, like you said, different time zones. What do you think, out of what you've been putting in place now, do you find you've got a different mindset for continuing those things? So as, as we start going back to hopefully a new norm, as I tell my clients I work with, you know, what's your new norm? You, you had all this crazy stuff that pulled you, but what did you take from this? That you're like, you know what? I want this the rest of my life. I'm going to mm -hmm. incorporate this. Do you have that, that thing, like the yoga or whatever that is that you're saying, you know what, no matter what, I'm doing this every day. Well, I heard that it takes five weeks to establish a habit. So right. I just forced myself and forced myself and forced myself to, to do this on a daily basis, which is more than you have to really. You, you know, run three times a week, that's fine. But because 
I really wanted to establish a rhythm, establish something that my body needs. So it's out of the mind mm -hmm. and, and your body starts bothering you. You know, like, oh, we need some movement. We need some stretch. We need some run. And uh, so I think that's kind of, that's, it's happening. Uh, and also when you can't do that, like this morning, I had to go and do my grocery shopping when the elders do their shopping before the, the stores open. And so my whole regimen for today, except for the meditation, that's the first thing I do when I get up, everything is all set in its place. And I don't know what I'll do when I start traveling. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's you, you know, you can kind of trick your system. That's what I was doing. I was tricking my system into appreciating this stuff. And, and it's, it, it's just so much lighter. Um, and even to deal with issues inside, um, you know, some anger, those kinds of things to recognize this ball of energy that's not happy and to try to identify it and see what it's talking about and, and explore that world. See, it's been fun. <laughs> you like that sort of thing? No, I, I, and that's interesting. I like it too, and I don't know why it is. I think I got more organized in how I manage my day because you don't have to leave the house to go to work. I work mm -hmm. from home, but I would always have to go meet people, clients, or go different places, and now I don't have to go anywhere. So I saw it as such a powerful thing for me. I really enjoyed that for that fact. And then I also liked it because I saw things that I was doing before I won't do again. I don't need to go meet with clients as much as have international different people, just talk to them on Zoom. Uh, if it's a coaching session, you don't have to go to coffee to mess up the whole environment. But I miss certain things as well. Now, Jen, isn't that amazing when you hear these things about Tantu, when you're talking about specifically enough meditation, everything that you like, you like in your balance, Jen, we're seeing yeah. talking to Tantu about. And that's why I saw, wow, this is a perfect Your Beautiful Day guest. And you see the gratitude that she's already brought to the table. And the fans of hers now are learning, wow, this the person on screen is like you and I, you and I in certain ways of balance and certain things that we don't get to hear in a story always in the quick segment or interview about the show. And that's what your beautiful day brings to the table. Thank yeah. you. No hair and makeup. Not a lot. Um, one of the things that I, I really put out there, Tantu, is that I want people to, I want to change the world. I want people to go to sleep with gratitude in their life, wake up, look in the mirror and say, thank you. Um, and for them to know that they are blessed, loved and sacred. When you were talking about um, your ceremony, like you know, it came ceremonial to you when you were going through this process um, for the sequester, because it, it made us stop everything and redefine life as we know it. How did your ceremonial, how did, how did that translate? Can you expand on that for us? Well, what it does, it, you know, I, you know, so there was a span where I designated four days to be a ceremony. And that's to make myself very conscious 
that I am spending time with my ancestors. I'm spending time in spirit. And, and so being cognizant that everything that is coming to me is related to what it is that I'm in ceremony for. And sometimes you know, and sometimes you don't. Sometimes you just going on intuition and I need this space. I need to find out what it is that I don't know that that's kind of bothering me, that's trying to talk to me. And so, because when you're, when you're running and you're busy and you're doing things, you know, you might not be so attentive to, mm-hmm. to spirit or, or the energy that is beyond who we are that's trying to get to you. And and also I lost a very dear friend. She was a friend of, oh, over 40 years or so. I'm so sorry. Yeah, well, and, um, and so it was a perfect capsule to recognize the new relationship. Mm -hmm. Life is, is still, it's very moving when you're when you're in isolation but there's a stillness and there's a lot of of conversation that can happen in that stillness um it's it's not the buzz of the traffic there is no traffic the birds are just so happy just leave the window open and and that's a part of it as well this is a side that we definitely need to learn from how someone could live in Hollywood and still not be in Hollywood. And the way, the way your balance and your ability, and I could see Pearl that she's able to bring that certain aura on set with certain, yep. certain pro- projects she's doing, Pearl. Don't you agree? No, I totally agree. And Tentu, what I love too, as you said about was the, the, the no, you know, the whole no makeup thing right now. That's my favorite part about this. I have, um, I do a yearly retreat and we get together with 20 women. I bring them together to work, have them work on different empowerment, things like that. And the requirement is my speakers and the attendees are not allowed to wear makeup the entire weekend. And if you can't agree to that, then we're not the right space for you. So, because I really think like what you're saying is it's a way that we can get one with ourselves. When we're not covering ourselves up behind the makeup. Then when we're really feeling, you know, I, I got, you know, when you talk about the spirit, when you're really feeling those that are around you and especially those that, you know, were a, a huge, that are no longer here, but they're a huge impact on your life, you know, and you can really get in and feel and listen to what, you know, is in there and you know you need to do, but you're kind of so busy, you don't pay attention to it, that we can be in that space to really, to listen to it. And I think that it, I agree with Neil that it's awesome. And to see because I think for those of us sometimes like Jen and you know a little more connected to Hollywood than what I am and for those like myself that you know you, you kind of look at you know actors and well they're over here and sometimes we forget that they're just like us you know they they live and have the same oh, jobs as we do hang on a what I happened okay I heard birds behind you chopper or something sorry sorry oh, no, no, you're fine but okay. I, I just love that that you know that you took this time to be in spirit. That was one of the things that I've been working. We've been doing, like Neil was saying, I love it. Neil, you're exactly correct. We have a whole new world of how we can do things and take care of ourselves and zoom and whatever 
you know, platform you find to do that, I think we need to use that because it gives us more of that time for that ceremonial with ourselves, with our self care and tattoo. I love that. And um, I, I would, I would say that, you know, I'm excited to see that and um, to see and hopefully people that are listening, take that lesson that you're teaching that, you know, we need this time. We, life gets busy out there. And, and I think, yes, you bring that right through and um, through, even in this interview, I can, I can just feel it. So it's, it's really amazing. Well, you know, it's, um, it was kind of like a, a, a capsule or a punctuation because being indigenous and in this world, um, I've had to carry that all along, anywhere, in any of these places, even life previous to, to um, COVID. Because uh, you're kind of isolated and being indigenous in this society. Mm-hmm. There's, there's still that old idea that, that we don't exist or that we belong in the past, that we're not a part of the pulse of right now. Um, and so that can be so infuriating mm-hmm. that uh, I've really had to um, find a practice through all of these decades. So, I mean, there are times where it, just, it was just too much and then you have to get back to your grounding again, get back to your roots again. Because this society, um, you know, really tried to erase us and make right. us visible. So the things, the, the, the roots and the foundations of who we are. And even though the practice to try to change our minds into what they needed us to be, to forget that we're related to the land. That, that was what the power struggles uh, were trying to do. That's why they, they took our children away from us. That's why they stuck us on, on fences. Because I'll tell you this, and it's one of my favorite illustrations of why our ways were outlawed. And that is, for example, in my, in my grandmother's language, in my mother's language, Cree, the word for fire is escoteo, which is made up of two words, esco, which means woman, and mete, which means heart. So fire is woman's heart. And the stories go on to talk about the fire at the core of Mother Earth. So, and, and we, from the womb, we know that the earth is alive. And that's, that's been our ally. She has been our ally through all of this horrible misery of being targets, us being in the way. Um, and this can be a time that people are really gonna need to know how it is that we managed to survive, you know, because that's where the power is. The power is, is with natural force. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. And Jen, and just thinking about all this, uh, I just am blown away that her, her spirit speaking to all of us today. And so I just, mm-hmm. that's all I want to do and just add it right into your next question. For her. 
<laughs> I love that. Um, my, my lineage is Cherokee and Irish. So my brothers got the Cherokee more than I did because they could just go outside and just, you know, look beautiful. Um, and I would burn. But I've always had that, um, that in my life that, you know, our ancestors are here with us. You know, sometimes we can see them, sometimes we can't, but we can certainly feel them. And even after my father's death, I felt like I had a better relationship. I have a better relationship with him now than when, when he was alive. You would understand that. Yeah. Um, because they're here. <laughs> That's right. They're here. How do you think, how do you believe we're going to go from where we are? I mean, you've been there on the front lines, towing the lines in the protests for the, for the pipeline, um, seeing all the protests in the street. Where do you, when it comes down to before when we had um, this coming up, we would have the elders up there saying, wait a minute, this was our land. You guys, you know, you guys came over here first and took it over. Still, still the government's taking over the lands. Particularly, yep. Mm -hmm. um, so what was your question about all that? Mike, sorry. My question was, Specifically, how do you think with all the protests and the way the world is, is pivoting right now, yeah. impact right. indigenous communities? Right. Um, well, I'm really excited about how awake people are, how vibrant and how done with it they are, mm -hmm. and how peacefully everybody is coming forward. And the allies that, that are there for Black Lives Matter. And uh, in our world, as, as Indigenous people, our stats are way higher than, than uh, the stats in Black Lives Matter. But um, the, I don't think we'd have as much allyship on the streets. We're, you know, the, this society is not quite ready for the fact that we're here mm -hmm. and I don't know if it's kind of related to guilt about the land I don't know if people feel that uh, generationally how that's manifest mm -hmm. and um, there's just this thing that we don't deserve uh, a good life and um, so that's so difficult to break through and for me because I've been involved so long that I'm just pulled right back. Right. And there, it's just like, okay, y'all just go on ahead. Shake it loose. <laughs> yeah. And, and you see the transition. At, at first, there was, this, there was this violence that was happening. And then it came in and, and, and got back. To that place of peace mm -hmm. because there was a great place of peace when the quarantine was first called and the air got cleaner and the waters the, got clearer that yes and and the animals and birds and everybody it was just like we were all here and it was all good and then I, oh man when when all of the violence was starting to happen then here it is again um so I'm, I'm really hoping 
that those good minds and hearts are going to have a say on the way things go. But then again, you know, we might be in for another disciplinary move. I don't know. Um, uh, it's, I think that people have to understand, I think, that unless you're creating something that is on the foundations, that natural force uh, designs, mm -hmm. that if what you're creating can go with the flow of the important structures, and that's the natural, natural structures, that those are the things that are going to survive. Those are the things that are going to last. Um, I, I, I don't think that these things that are built just for greed, just for self, I don't think those things are going to last. Maybe it's just my hopes. But I think that respect for the land, for lack of a better term, is, is really going to have to be the way to go. And our young people now, who knows what they're going to do? And it's very exciting. I, th I think that so, you know, when you said that about the young, you're not the first person that I've heard say, um, I, I was having a conversation with a couple of friends this week and they're, you know, around my age, I mean, I'm, I'm in my 50s, and they're like, you know what, it's really awesome that the younger generation is coming forward. Like, you know, we did this. And, um, and, and I hear, you know, I, I, I know your grandmother was a huge part of I can hear your the, the description of your grandmother. I can see you. You remind me of my granny and I. We used to go pick the berries and stuff in upstate New York. And and I could tell in, that your grandmother was a strong force in your life. And I can see that coming through. And you know to know that you know our our you know our ancestors before us and those who have impacted our spirit as you shared. Um, I, I see that coming through you. And it's. I, the few the episodes that I've watched you on the show, I, I sit there and I get so mesmerized and I know you know it gets scripted and, and things like that. But I feel you coming through that character. I mean, it's just so mm -hmm. amazing to see that you are taking what you know our ancestors or your ancestors have brought to you and you're passing that and you're paying that forward, not only to I'm sure your children, but even I could tell the the people in the that are in the show with you. I just feel your spirit even coming through the word that they've given you to learn to say. And I, I think that's so awesome. And so my question is, as you sit back and you watch the younger generation, you know, because I'm kind of in that spot too, my kids, like I said, are in their 20s, so watch them start, go out and start impacting the world. What, what if, if I was, if somebody was sitting with those younger generations, sitting with you and having a conversation, What's one or two lessons you learned over your life that you would say to them, listen, when you are doing this, keep this in mind or do this, or maybe don't do that. Is there a lesson you can share with somebody listening as what you brought forward from your spirit and your ancestors? Um, I, well, that's one thing that, that um, I do remind them of, that they're not alone. That... Um, that the work that we've done thus far, it may not seem like it's, it's enough, 
because so much has to change just in terms of our business and just in terms of telling stories and uh, getting them right or at least moving them towards the truth that that's digestible and and there there we have a lot of young people that are really well educated now and they've been raised by parents who have taken back the culture that had been outlawed and they have been given those traditions that we like i did not grow up with those things those were were long gone because i was born in fort mcmurray and they were after that land for a long, long time, and they had to conk us out so that we, we wouldn't be able to stand there and hold that treaty in front of them, and that they would have to honor this treaty. It's a legal agreement. Um, and so that, a lot of that manipulation has gone on for generations, and that's a lot of what we have to fix. So what I would like the young people to recognize, you don't throw it all out. You go to those roots, those long, long roots, and honor those ancestors that, uh, that did the best they could from generation to generation. And if you think it's hard, find somebody back there that had it rougher, that had it harder. And, uh, and, and that, that helps you keep moving forward. And, and you can feel um that that you're not alone that that you're you're on your your trail of justice your trail of freedom and um yeah the tears are there and and those are the stones that you walk on those are the things that you don't want to see again you don't want it happening to your people and it's not a way to go forward. You know, um, it, it, it is quite visible in, in the Black Lives Matter movement, the power of the ancestors, the power of prayer, the power of peace, um, and, and the nonviolence. Uh, we have that as well. We've had some major altercations that, uh, powers that be really wanted us to make a wrong move so they could just corral us again we're off the reservation when we're going for freedom right you know and what you sometimes is not highlighted is what you went through meaning we talk about blacks and what they've gone through but the indigenous people no not at all in so many ways from taking off land to certain things that had in the suffering that certain people are going through today based on discrimination and racism and then your activism is such a powerful thing what made you get start did you, doing the activism types of protests and stuff what kind of led you to that did your platform help you in a lot of ways of being an actress saying i can really make a difference in that or is it just i, I, I found the acting through my rage um, I, when I came to the city when I was 15 to go to high school, uh, the way my people were treated, it just enraged me. 
And uh, I don't think there was any point in even living unless I was addressing that in whatever way I could. And yet at the same time, I refused to put myself in their institutions so that they can pare away and trim me up so I can fit into their society or their systems or whatever. I had too much rage for that. So I really, <clears throat> it was based on a voice that I heard saying, everyone's been given a gift. So I went about to find out what was the gift that I had. And I didn't go to universities and colleges because I didn't trust it, but I did pick people's brains. The, the people who did get solid education and also the people who had been able to hold their traditions. There are families that hid their children so that their children would not be put into that residential school. There are people who went into hiding and saved our, our, uh, our wisdoms, our ways, they saved enough of it so that we had something to, to really build on. My generation, you know, the, the 60s, it really was about bringing this stuff out. I just really had a strong impression of, of trying to dig through the rubble to find the gems because how that colonization and genocide works is it tries to trick you into thinking that that's backwards and that primitive is something that stupid people are. Uh, you know, all of that mess that a person has to go through. So I was a little crazy, I was a little batty. Um, and maybe I still am, you know, you're the last one to know when, when you're off your rocker. <laughs> Nobody tells you. <laughs> no, no, no. They don't know. <laughs> that is amazing. Where is, I didn't know people were hiding their children. It makes so much sense. It makes yeah. so much sense. Yeah, um, well, I, you know, how else could we have kept it? Right. Oh God, what they did to us? No, because it was a bit insane, even growing up in Athens, Georgia, where they were segregating and the non-segregating and the violence that went with it. My sister hid at home for a little bit, you know, until she just dropped out entirely. But to, be, but to hide your children to protect their present, not just the past, not just the history of the culture, but the present. I don't think any cultures need to be saved. I don't think, I think everybody needs to be made whole in exactly what the foundations were and are and to keep them and bring them into the future. Well, I, I, um, I unless I'm misunderstanding what you're saying, I think our culture is crucial because within our culture, is the relationship right. with the earth. Um, I have a friend who, um, they're trying to be keepers of the sacred springs on, on Mount Shasta. And this through generations, these are the people who hear the spring 
and who take care of the spring. Because if you don't touch a baby, the baby will die. You know, as an example of how important that touch is. So there are ceremonies. There are um, practices that are a part of keeping the earth healthy, keeping us healthy in that, in that interreaction. And I do believe that every culture started out with that relationship with the earth. Absolutely. So, yeah, and, and both of your cultures, you know, the Irish and, and the Cherokee both suffered greatly mm-hmm. from the, the people who were in connection with the earth had to be destroyed. And, and it's, these are the times that we're in now where all of that is coming back and saying, you can't live without us. And, you and, can't. Yeah, and, and so if people don't catch it this time, if the society doesn't start kind of recreating itself with that understanding, mm-hmm. then we're going to get it again. Yeah. I think. yeah. It's going to be a pretty crazy thing if we don't uh, unify and unity and, and change the way we present ourselves in so many ways. So Tantu, I wanted to go to some projects and then the Pearl will ask some questions and Jen regarding the project. So mm-hmm. let's go to cooking first and then we'll go to Stumptown last. So tell us about, the cooking you're doing. Tell us about that. Oh, well, it's, it's just getting back in the kitchen, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> just getting back in the kitchen. And again, that long, long history. Because how, how, part of genocide is destroying everything that belongs to you, everything familiar, any pots that, that the people cooked in had to be destroyed and shattered. And, and, and uh, people corralled on reservations and being forced to eat what the government provided. Mm-hmm. And there are horrible stories about what that is, about, you know, rancid, rancid bacon and, and food with worms in it and, and what a person had to do, what women had to do to go and collect those rations uh, off of these Indian agents. And um, the the horrible food, the commodities that were for the reservation. And it's it's just been a hellish, uh, and and that is a tactic, as poverty is a tactic, as food is a tactic. And, And so, and then, and then, I, I shouldn't really be talking about it, but in, in a so-called relationship, it was a tactic to keep me out of the kitchen so that they could become prime parent. And then when, when they um, took it all and, and separated, I would have to be left uh, supporting them because they could claim they were the prime parent and la la la. So, I mean, it's, it's not a fun piece of history, but it's 